Welcome in to Mining Stock Daily. We have a corporate introduction today by a new guest in a new company. Uh, I put out a tweet, uh, you know, about a week or maybe it wasn't even a week ago, uh, looking for some ideas of where our listeners wanted to hear from new companies and uh, got an overwhelming response. Uh, but one of those companies uh, that was mentioned uh, more than a handful of times was Kaya Silver. Uh, Kaya Silver trades on the CSE with KUYA and also on the OTC. QB with KUYAF. Happy to be joined by Chief Executive Officer and President and Director of the company, Mr. David Stein. David, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Uh, it's my pleasure, Trevor. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is an interesting project. Uh, Kaya Silver's uh, really flagship project is the Bethania Gold Mine in central Peru. Uh, basically, fairly new. Uh, well, I think you're new to the position, but you are not new uh, to the resource market. Um, it's an interesting, uh, you know, turn of a career, if you will, a little bit uh, from what you did previously. So why don't you give our listeners a little bit of a rundown regarding your experience and uh, transitioning into running a company? Sure. Um, so uh, I you know, it has been a sort of a long journey to get here. Um, I uh, I was educated with a you know as a engineer engineer uh, geologist, uh, so I, I come from a technical background. But I got into finance very early in my career, and uh, the first nine years of my of my career, I was a equity analyst for one of the you know uh, mid tier Bay Street firms. And, um, you know, that was a really great opportunity to get introduced to the market as it kind of slowly developed into a bull market um, in the early 2000s. And, uh, you know, I really feel like I had a front front row seat in the development of uh, a lot of the, the new companies uh, that have been some of which have become large cap, you know, miners today. So, and many of which were, were, of course, taken over as well, as happens in our business. But. Um, some of the first companies I, I picked, or some of the companies I picked up coverage of, were included uh, First Majestic um, and uh, uh, Fortuna Silver, for example, in the silver space. I was I was always exclusively a precious metals analyst, so gold and silver. And um, then uh, then a little later in my career, I, I sort of shifted towards uh, asset management, and I was um, I was uh, working um, as a principal. Uh, guy at a merchant bank where we were doing all sorts of different types of deals, including passive equity, active equity investments, where where we you know took board positions and stuff, um, loans, royalties. So I kind of did it all as as we as we sort of shifted into the bear market uh, that we are that we you know I think we we we've we, we're now through it, but um, this would have been back in 2012. Um, I started really looking more at private equity as a way to get projects, uh, you know, good projects funded. Uh, and I really, you know, for the next few years after that, dedicated my, my career to developing, you know, relationships and understanding of investing in private equity. Um, and then a few years after that, I, I sort of went out on my own to basically continue, uh, continue that, um, you know, that private equity journey. And I ended up finding this uh, silver mine in, in Peru that really fit my strategy perfectly in the sense that it was it was a relatively small uh, CapEx project because, um, you know, big CapEx scares me. Uh, and um, 
you know, I when I when I uh, saw this uh, you know, this high grade silver mine that was on care and maintenance, it really reminded me of the early days of of First Majestic when they started in Mexico, or even uh, Pan American Silver, which started ten years before that in uh, in Peru with a similar kind of high grade mine, small tonnage mine. So um, you know, these these projects can be very profitable. They can be great ways to you know to launch a company because you know, they, they're, they're not that risky. And, uh, and so I ended up, you know, investing in it myself and starting Kuya Silver. And then, you know, three years later, we were public. All right. Uh, so I actually, I recorded an interview yesterday, but it hasn't been published yet. It comes out on Friday morning, but with Monero Alamos president, Doug Ramshaw, and we actually talked in length about building companies based on smaller projects and like, you know, you, your business strategy isn't necessarily to make it big and grand and then sell it off to the next major. Like you're looking long-term for the cheapest and most valuable way to generate cash flow. Uh, obviously Monero Alamos is on the gold side of Mexico. Uh, but do you, can you make some of that comparison to what you are trying to do in Peru here on the silver side? Yes, I I, uh, I think it it is you know that is the strategy really, um, and and it is something that is you know you, I think you can do in in the silver space especially um, you know not, not to say you can't do it in gold but in in sil silver mines really uh, lend themselves well to this kind of strategy in the sense that um, a lot of uh, a lot of the real producing silver mines out there you know tend to be uh, you know, 5 million ounces per year and less. And, and obviously if you convert that into gold equivalent, you get a, you know, kind of a small number that most people wouldn't care about, but in silver, that is actually a big deal. Um, partly cause there are so few silver companies out there, like real silver mining companies where most of their revenue comes from silver. Uh, so there's few choices for investors and, uh, you know, and it's, and, and silver is a smaller market in general in, 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 as compared to gold, at least. So, um, so if you can string, if you can put together, you know, two or three of these, you know, of these mines that let's say produce between two and 5 million ounces a year, you know, you'd be one of the probably top 10 silver miners in the world. And that's something that I think we can easily achieve at Kuya, not right away, but over, over the next several years. Um, we've got our first mine lined up, which is the Bethania mine in Peru. Uh, so we, we've got a great starting position there. And, you know, opportunistically, we, we can look at other, you know, projects that sort of fit that criteria. But the beauty of this business model is you don't have to swing for the fences, you know, and build a, you know, 200 or $500 million CapEx project for growth. Um, you know, and those projects, not only are they more difficult to finance, but they also tend to be more controversial, um, uh, you know, when it comes to environmental issues, community issues, etc. So these smaller mines are just a lot lower risk, whether you look at it technically, financially, CSR, uh, everything about them, to me, uh, is, you know, is, is lower risk. So, um, so, 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 that, you know, to me, the, the risk return is really, uh, is really fantastic. And that's why I like this business model. Uh, before we move on, I will apologize for botching the pronunciation of Kuya. I did say Kaya before. That's okay. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard as, that. As long as but... you know, as long as people buy the stock, <laughs> you can say it any way you want. 
right, well, let, let's talk about the Bethania asset in Peru. Um, obviously, uh, this is, I guess you could call it a historical asset. Uh, it's got a lot of infrastructure to it. Um, you know, you know, but let's get, let's, let's hear it from you. Like, what do you have here and, and what was so intriguing for you to pick up this project and present it to the market? Well, okay. So what, the summary of the project is that it, 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 it's a, been a producing silver mine up until 2016 and it's been on care and maintenance ever since. Um, you know, the mine has produced um, at, uh, with head grades of about 15 ounces per ton silver with very, you know, with pretty high lead and zinc uh, byproducts as well. Um, they never, you know, the previous owners never had the capital to invest in putting a plant there. And so this mine has always been, you know, a toll milling mine where they would truck the ore, sometimes great distances up to 200 kilometers away to have it processed. And of course, when you do that, you um, not only do you incur the extra trucking costs, but you also have to pay the, the mill uh, a fee. And then you also lose recovery um, because, you know, that mill is not set up for your ore. So there's a lot of issues with with uh, with toll milling. Um and uh, those are issues that can be essentially solved if you've got access to capital and the engineering expertise to build to build a plant, which we do have, which we have. So, um, so that's that was really the you know sort of the the key driver to making the acquisition was that we felt that we could put a plant there, expand production, um, and uh, uh, and do all that for you know relatively modest capex. Um, I think you know internally we're, we're, we've been projecting about 10 million USD for uh, the, the whole expansion project. So um, so with that in mind, um, you know that that alone made made sense as an acquisition, uh, even back when silver prices were 16, 17 dollars an ounce, um, you know because we think our costs will be substantially lower than that. Um, you know, even when these guys were, we're producing and toll milling, which, you know, I just mentioned is much higher cost. Their their costs back in 2015, which was their last full year of production, were still only about $16 per ounce. Uh, that's that's on an equivalent uh, silver equivalent basis. So, you know, you compare that to some of the public companies out there, they're already lower cost than some of the silver public companies out there. And then we can lower that cost even more by putting a plant there. So, um, so it's, it's a, I think a very compelling opportunity with silver prices the way they are now, this, this should pay back within months. And, uh, you know, and then, and then, you know, the next phase is, is, I mean, the other, the other, I guess, leg to the stool that I really liked was the exploration potential. You know, these guys never really did, you know, what we would consider to be exploration, although they did have, they do have a historical resource. It's more of a, you know, a mining resource. What are we going to mine next? Um, with some, you know, uh, with some uh, traditional drilling uh, that you would do on a deposit like this, we feel like we can, you know, greatly expand the resources here, uh, increase the mine life, and ultimately justify an expansion, a, a second expansion. Uh, and um, you know, the geology is relatively simple, so this is this is low-hanging fruit kind of exploration. It's not something where we have to go out and make a new discovery. Um, we just sort of drill a long strike and a depth from the veins that we already know are there, and we should be able to put together a larger resource in, in due course. Okay, so a couple of things, a couple of follow-up questions. First, about uh, kind of the previous margins and profit that they were making from this toll milling. Uh, you mentioned kind of a $16, $16 per ounce cost. 
I mean, I, how profitable were they back then, even with the toll mill, toll milling? So they made a small profit in 2012 and 2013. Um, they actually borrowed money in 2014 uh, to do some minor capex stuff at the mine. And uh, with that, you know, with metal prices falling and, uh, you know, the additional interest costs that they have, they started losing money in 2014. So um, 2014, 15, 16, they, they, they lost money as metal prices were falling. But, um, but yeah, at, at a, you know, at high metal prices, as a, even as a toll milling operation, this was profitable. Sure. Okay. So looking at that 16, uh, you are able to raise $10 million to put in uh, the mill. I mean, very reasonable. Uh, how, how, how much can you decrease? Would you project you think you might be able to decrease that cost? Look, uh, this is just our management estimates. So this is not backed yeah, up absolutely. by any external or, or independent work. But we, we think we can drop it by about $5. So our our uh, internal estimates are around eleven dollars an ounce, all in, and that's all. By the way, I'm talking about all in sustaining costs here. Uh, mm -hmm. Both the sixteen dollars I mentioned earlier and the eleven is all in. So that includes the you know the costs for treating the concentrate, which is substantial. You know that's that's a big cost as well. Yeah. Okay. So you can do the math looking at gold now, or excuse me, silver is you know twenty four dollars give or take. So, depending on the day anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's volatile sometimes. Okay, uh, and and talk us talk to me about the exploration potential. I mean, it sounds like uh, there is some deeper targets here that you could go after to expand the resource. Right. So they they um, they basically the the um, the mine is uh, high grade veins that are in the side of a, a mountain or a hill, I guess. Um, and you know the 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 mine the mining very very long ago would have started at surface and just gradually they've been going you know deeper and deeper um, through adits through through adits every thirty meters or so. Um, we're now at the we're now at the bottom of the of the valley um, where um, to go deeper we have to do a ramp. Um, but uh, when they actually did that, they 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 did the the next level below already back in 2015, 2016 before they had to shut the mine down. So um, there's some development already down there. Now what they were doing is uh, you know basically just following these veins, and there's uh, there's seven veins that are in the current non 43101 resource. Um, so those are veins that they would have uh, essentially developed while they were developing the adits for the mine. Uh, and that's essentially how they estimated their their internal resources was uh, just just what they were able to you know uh, add it uh, or develop underground. So if you now can you know drill, which we can do, um, uh, we we can start drilling these veins at depth. Um, they're all still going at the lowest levels that we have right now, so there's no reason to expect them to uh, to stop uh, at least for now. And uh, then the strike length is also open. So the, uh, th they've only mined about three or 400 meters, depending on the vein, uh, along strike. And, you know, these, ve these veins could go on, you know, double, triple uh, the strike length. Uh, we, 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 don't, we don't know because they're all open. So, um, so there's lots of potential along strike. Uh, and, of course, along strike, all the upper levels haven't been mined either. Uh, that would be all still mineralized. And then, and then at depth... Um, you know, all the veins are open as well. So 
you know, between the, the strike length and the depth potential, you know, there, there's certainly the opportunity for multiples of, of, the, of the resource that, that we think we have right now. A lot of upside here, but I got to ask you, uh, you are operating Peru and the, there has been some geopolitical events taking place in the past couple of weeks. Um, you know, in obviously every CEO operating in Peru will <laughs> have, you know, we'll say, you know, in Peru is a very safe jurisdiction. I continue to believe Peru is going to be a safe jurisdiction for mining, obviously. Uh, but, you know, give, give us your sake. I mean, what is what are the challenges right now? with uh, the geopolitics and the, you know, the change in the constitution, everything happening in the country? Well, honestly, oper op operationally, we haven't seen much of an impact um, uh, on, you know, because of the geopolitics. I mean, I think that the geopolitics that have been going on definitely, um, you know, they paint the country in, in somewhat of a bad light. It makes it look, look unstable. Um, however, you know nothing that's going on, and you know the, the you know the three interim presidents that, that we've had in the last few weeks. Uh, you know they're all, you know they're all, uh, you know none of them are attacking mining or, or anything like that. I mean it's their bread and butter in the country, so um, you know the mining industry tends to get a lot of respect and tends to sail on through no matter who's in power. Um, so uh, so yeah, it's it's been uh, yeah obviously it you know it. it it, it creates this air of instability, but, you know, in a sense, the instability creates its own stability is the way I look at it, because the, you know, the Peru is very highly fragmented politically. And what, while that, you know, that's not good for creating a, like a stable government, it also means that you're unlikely to have someone kind of populist guy sweep into power, which we have seen in some of the neighboring countries over the years. Um, and when that happens, then you have these dramatic changes overnight, which is very hard to deal with as a, you know, as a company. Um, in Peru, that's not likely to happen because there is strong oppositions uh, and there is very, it is a fragmented kind of political system there. All right. Uh, David, I appreciate your time. Uh, it's a great introduction to the project. And, uh, you know, before we let you go, any last words you'd like to give our listeners? Um, well, I, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're a newly listed company. We've only been listed over a month, um, you know, still, still getting the word out there. Uh, so, uh, you know, please, uh, you know, visit us on our website, kuyasilver.com. Um, we're also on uh, social media, Twitter, Facebook, etc. So, um, yeah, so we, we look forward to, to hearing, hearing from, you know, new investors and, and people. And I'm, I'm, we're all, we're able to answer your questions if you have any. All right. Uh, if anybody has any follow-up questions, they're also welcome to shoot me an email with those questions. I'll be sure to forward those on to David and his team. Uh, but best of luck to you through the rest of uh, uh, the rest of this year and into 2021, David. Okay. Thanks, Trevor.